Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 11, 25 through 30, called The King's Invitation. Satan has a role. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, if you're taking notes, he blinds, the God of this world blinds the minds of unbelievers. But it doesn't mean that unbelievers don't have a part in that. There's spiritual uh, dimensions to this, of course. But here's the point. Pride keeps the seed from going in and then Satan picks it off, if you will. So there are, there are different ways to see the angles of how salvation works and how you know, God speaks to people. So you can see in the parable of the, the sower some of these realities. I, I, I will resist preaching it for now. But I want you to turn to one more passage as a parallel, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So it's, it's going to be several pages to your right. As you turn there, let me tell you what some scholars see in Jesus' words and invitation. They tie this to Jewish wisdom literature. Best way for us to get our arms around it is the wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom is often personified, given personality in Proverbs, and it's something like this. Wisdom calls out in the streets and says something like this. Come to me, all you who are naive. Seek me, and you will find me. Seek me, and you'll find life. And some scholars believe that Jesus' words at least allude to wisdom literature. And some uh, cultic groups have actually, they believe that Jesus is actually in Proverbs chapter 8. I don't believe that. I don't hold that. I think you can push the image too far. But Jesus is the embodiment of wisdom. Colossians 2, 3 puts it this way. In Jesus are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians 2, 3. So Jesus is wisdom ultimately personified. We've got to be careful with the Proverbs 8 stuff, but he calls to people. Wisdom embodied, love embodied, God dwelling among us. The ultimate wisdom calls out. The wise and intelligent won't come. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 1 as Paul picks up some of these themes of worldly wisdom contrasted with God's wisdom. For the word, 1 Corinthians 1.18, of the cross, the gospel message, if you will, is foolishness to those who are perishing, 1 Corinthians 1.18. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, keep in mind Jesus' prayer, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? There's a wisdom of the world and there's a wisdom of God. For since in the wisdom of God, 21, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased. There's, you can hear Jesus' prayer. You were well pleased to do things this way. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews, a stumbling block. The religious leader said, he can't be the Messiah because Messiah doesn't die on a cross. 
Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. He can't be the Messiah. But they ignored clear scripture that said Messiah would bear the burden of our sin and take the wrath of God. Isaiah 53, which we'll get to in a moment. They wouldn't see it. So they, they denied him. They stumbled over Jesus. He had become a rock of offense to them because they wouldn't accept it. They, they kind of blocked out the other scriptures that talked about the suffering servant. And it became a stumbling block, Jesus did. And to Gentiles, foolishness, but to those who are called, notice, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God. And what's your Bible say? And the wisdom of God. Now, if you skip down to the next chapter, Paul, again, speaking of the theme of wisdom, says these words, 1 Corinthians 2, 6. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. There's your religious leadership of the day. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, so hidden from some Revealed to others, notice, which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul will go on to talk about the spiritual man and the natural man. And he says the the natural man can't understand the things of the spirit because they're spiritually appraised or discerned and he won't accept them while the spiritual man will accept them. Back to Matthew chapter 11. So before we move on, let me just say that as Jesus prays the prayer and puts out the invitation, the ones that are excluded from this are the ones who believe they don't need it. They are self-sufficient. They don't need to come to Jesus because they won't come on his terms And I'll just say this to you. If you won't come on his terms, you won't come at all. You say, wow, that's a radical statement, isn't it? Yeah, and you're going to see such remarkable things that Jesus says about himself that it's amazing. And let me just say one more cross-reference. When Jesus is about to uh, enter into Jerusalem, he's on the donkey. He approaches the city and he cries over it. And he says these words, this is Luke 19, 42. If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace or rest or shalom, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. Luke 19, 42. In a hopeful sense, Jesus giving the invitation means it's not too late, even for the religious leadership of the day. And some of them did come, right? Who knows, even at this point, Uh, late moment, whether God might leave a blessing behind him. We read that last week in the book of Joel. Come, turn, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Turn while you can. And some of you have been reading through the Old Testament and you're like, what's wrong with these people? But you know what they do? When they get in trouble, they turn back to God. When everything is cool, then they just go their own way. I know none of you do that. I know none of us are guilty of doing that, right? So Jesus, as he prays, says, yes, Father, Matthew eleven twenty six. thus it was well-pleasing in thy sight. Uh, scholars call this a Christological high point of the gospel of Matthew because of these following words. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, reminiscent of 
When Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me, the great commission, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. Just pause for a second. That is a remarkable claim. And you got to just stop for a second and realize that when Jesus is making claims to be the singular way to God, to have all power authority, to be the judge of the living and the dead, to be the singular way to God. These are claims that divide people. A generic, I believe in God, I'm a spiritual person, is fully acceptable in our culture. But Jesus says, all things, all authority in heaven and on earth, all judgment has been given to the Son. Now that is radical. And that would explain why Jesus is such a lightning rod, if you will, to, at least to some people, right? Because he's making radical, exclusive, powerful claims. He says, all things are at his feet. Right now you say, well, how does that work out? Well, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, reigning. He's the king. He's going to return and fully bring in the kingdom, but he's reigning now. He's at the right hand, the position of power and authority, interceding for his people, but he is in that exalted spot. And the Father handed everything to him, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Here we have a little insight into the Trinity, or the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Notice the unique, special relationship between Father and Son. No one knows the Son except the Father, Maybe we could say fully knows him in the depths that exist in the Godhead. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. The Son is Jesus, of course. And anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Jesus Christ is the revealer of the Father. Hear the words. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, John 14, 9. John 1, 18 says, The Son came to explain the Father. This is actually uh, in Greek where we get the word exegesis. When a pastor explains a passage of Scripture, Jesus is the exegesis of God. He's the revealer of God the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Whatever I do, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. I always do those things that please my Father. 1 John 2.23 has it this way. If you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. But if you have the Son, then you have the Father as well, and of course the Holy Spirit. That's why this prayer and these claims are powerfully remarkable. Jesus is not claiming to be just one of many prophets. He is not claiming just to be a good moral teacher. He is claiming that all authority... And all things sit at his feet. That is your savior. That is your king. That is our God. That is the message of the kingdom. Jesus is the king. How do we get saved? We receive him. We believe in him. We follow him. And we trust in him for our salvation. He is the supreme authority in the universe. And his authority makes this invitation even more amazing. Take a look. Come to me, Matthew eleven twenty eight. He doesn't say, come to God, although he could have said it. He says, come to me. Why? Because he is God. Come to me all, so this includes everybody, all of you who labor 
or who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a very special event that we're hosting at the church where I serve as senior pastor. It's called Living Truth Christian Fellowship right here in the city of Corona. It's the Dare to Defend Apologetics Conference. I'll tell you, it's some of the top apologetic speakers in the Christian world. This is Lenny Esposito. Now, this conference is designed to specifically tackle our sex-saturated culture and provide answers to the challenges believers face today. Subjects that fill today's headlines like How do we combat the transgender movement that's increasingly endangering our kids? What is critical theory and is it compatible with faith? Now, we'll also tackle really specific church issues such as the battle for the biblical Adam and Eve, the war against the family and how our relationships are being undermined. We'll also deal with how our culture is losing its grip on knowledge as real. Why don't you check it out today? Go to walkintruth.com. Look for that link at the top of our site, walkintruth.com. And you can link right there, sign up, bring some friends, and grow in your most holy faith. God bless you. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Jesus is not claiming to be just one of many prophets. He is not claiming just to be a good moral teacher. He is claiming that all authority and all things sit at his feet. That is your savior. That is your king. That is our God. That is the message of the kingdom. Jesus is the king. How do we get saved? We receive him. We believe in him. We follow him. And we trust in him for our salvation. He is the supreme authority in the universe. And his authority makes this invitation even more amazing. Take a look. Come to me, Matthew eleven twenty eight. He doesn't say, come to God, although he could have said it. He says, come to me. Why? Because he is God. Come to me all. So this includes everybody. All of you who labor or who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, get out of here. He doesn't say, you know, I'm only going to accept, you know, these, these certain people with these qualifications. He just says, look, you qualify if you're tired. If you feel like the weight of life and your sin has weighed you down, and, and look, Here's the specific image here, and I know we could all talk about, and and I'll talk a little bit about our anxiety, and we deal with stress and anxiety, and it piles on our shoulders, and there's no doubt that Jesus is inviting us as believers to give that to him and keep giving it to him. But in the immediate setting here, you know what the shoulder burden is? It's our sin. It's our guilt. It's the weight of sin on our shoulders which only can be remedied in trusting in the king who died on the cross and resurrected from the dead. Amen? Otherwise, you get to carry it. And you all know what it feels like for those of you who maybe came to Jesus later in life. You all know what it feels like to carry it. Guilt is a heavy load. And Jesus says, come, the the idea is come now. 
don't wait. Come to me and you qualify if you're weighed down. Jesus said to the religious leaders in Matthew 23, 4, the scribes and the Pharisees tie up heavy loads and lay them on men's shoulders, Matthew 23, 4. But they themselves are unwilling to move with so much of, as a finger. They won't even lift a finger. They tell you what to do, but they won't even lift a finger to do it themselves. Jesus will say, yes, they sit in the chair of Moses, so listen to what they say, but don't do what they do because they don't do what they preach. They tie up heavy loads. People in that day had so much man-made tradition added to their shoulders that they could barely move on a Sabbath day. The Sabbath was supposed to speak of worship and resting in God. In the next section ahead, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus will say, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. And he will give an insight into Sabbath keeping that has to do with much more freedom than the scribes and Pharisees would allow. And the people were weighted down. Can you feel it? Another man-made tradition. Another, another, another. And no one could move. No one could light a fire. No one could do anything on a Sabbath day. And, and the people were frozen under religious legalism. And not much has changed. Because if you've grown up in a certain system where man-made rules were added to the word of God, and today they're all over the landscape, brothers and sisters, think this way. Yes, there are atheists and agnostics and they're out there, but many, many people are under the yoke of religious man-made legalism. If you wear that dress, you're going to hell. This is what people were told in evangelical churches. Wear lipstick, you're going to hell. If you dance, you're going to hell. You go to a movie, you're going to hell. And, and, and it was man, 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 man. And I bet you that those same people that were preaching that stuff were probably watching the movies they told you not to go to. And probably dancing in the dark somewhere. <laughs> Just kidding, I have no idea. But anyway, the point is, Jesus came to deliver the people of his day from unnecessary religious burdens. And my prayer for you is that you would be delivered from unnecessary religious burdens. If Jesus Christ came to set us free, why are we walking around like we're just under the weight of everything? That's not the gospel. Now, the gospel's also not cheap grace. It's not you can do whatever you want because the more you sin, the more grace you're going to get. Paul says, God forbid that you would ever do that. You don't use grace as an excuse for sin, but at the same time, you celebrate grace every day because the gospel makes us free. And Jesus says, look, don't worry about what they've been saying. You come to me. You come now. They're not going to listen. They're blind guides leading the blind But if your soul is hurting, if you're weary and burdened, if, as Bonnard has it, come to me, all you who are fatigued and overwhelmed, Barclay renders it, come to me, all you who are exhausted and weighted down beneath your burdens. All people experiencing tough times are invited to Jesus. You bring it all to me. What a Savior. 
You've been listening to The King's Invitation, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew eleven twenty-five through 30. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel, or perhaps you have questions about Jesus and the Christian faith. Call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, sometimes as Jesus gives this incredible invitation, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, burden, and I will give you rest. Let's read it just because it's so beautiful. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through 30. Now, sometimes when people hear an invitation like that, and maybe, you know, it's John fourteen six or the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 12, one way, one name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. God's calling upon all people everywhere to repent, to believe in Christ. And, and some people think, well, is that arrogant? Is that narrow? What about people of other religions? What about people who don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Maybe that's you. Maybe you don't have a biblical definition as you've listened to Christian radio of Jesus. Maybe you're, you're wrestling through that and that's a good thing. And I would encourage you to do more of that. But maybe you would say, I, I think Jesus is a cool guy, a good moral teacher, perhaps a prophet, but I don't know if he's the only way to God. And what do you do with that? What do you do with that if you're a Christian witnessing to a friend? Here's what I do. I usually say, well, my friend, and I, and I want to be as charitable as I can be and gracious as I can be, your argument's not with me. <laughs> your argument's with Jesus. Jesus made those claims. I didn't. I'm simply telling you what he said. I believe that there's a way to look at the invitation as gracious rather than looking at it as narrow. Let's celebrate that God made a way. And how did he make that way? By sending his one and only son, who spilled his precious blood, though innocent, was treated as though he were guilty of the sins of humanity on that awful cross, looked death in the face, defeated it, rose from the dead, said, because I live, you will live also, and is preparing a place in heaven for us. Hallelujah. I mean, it didn't get much better than that. God has made a way. He sent his only son. Trust in Jesus Christ today. Don't wait. You say, well, uh, I, I don't know if I've put all the verses together yet. You know what? You, you have enough. Here you are listening right now. I believe you've got a divine appointment right now to meet the living God, to meet him through his son, Jesus. Jesus was sent so you could be reconciled to God, my friend. Read Colossians 1, 21 and 22. Uh, listen to the words of John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the good news of the gospel. It's available for you. Trust in him. Lay your questions at his feet. I'm not saying you shouldn't do your homework, but at some point, 
my friend, you've got to surrender to the King. He came to save you. You're listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance. And uh, we're walking through the incredible gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. It'd be great if you read it. It'd be also great if you want to catch up. All of our messages are available on our website. You can also link to our church site. Grab the app, Walk in Truth, on your app store. Lots of ways to access a lot of different teaching we've done over the years. We have a, a lot of books that we've tackled. And you can go back and listen to a lot of stuff that I believe will benefit your walk with the Lord. You can access it all when you go to walkintruth.com or download the Walk in Truth free in your app store. Do it today and uh, check out the ministry. Pray for us. Support us any way you can. Again, it's Walk in Truth. God bless you. See you tomorrow. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew eleven twenty-five through 30 called The King's Invitation. I like an easy chair. I like a soft place to lay down. I enjoy naps. Can I get a witness? However, as much as those things are nice, bubble bath, whatever you want to imagine right now, Jesus is talking about a deep soul rest. He's talking about taking burdens off of your soul. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.